Welcome to this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church. Today we have a message that we believe is full of practical and relevant behavioral teaching from God's Word, the Bible. We'd like to invite you to grab a piece of paper and a pen. Take notes as you go through this looking for a personal application from God to you. Sit back and enjoy as we begin this message. Isn't it great how stores can just not wait to get Christmas? I mean, it's like as soon as Labor Day was over, let's get everything out of here and start setting up for Christmas. Halloween, doesn't matter. Thanksgiving, okay, we'll have a couple of things here. Let's get ready for Christmas. Now, I do remember, I'm old enough to know that, you know, to remember the times when we got the Sears and Pennies Christmas catalogs in the mail in the August time frame. And you would get that and you'd start going through it and you'd start marking stuff for your parents of what you wanted. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, have you ever had a time where you've just been blown away with a gift? Something you were totally not expecting. Now, Carmen has blessed me twice in that area. The first time... eh, and it's easy to remember the year. It's 2005, Christmas 2005, because that was the last year that Bush Stadium 2 was open. And during the summer, we had season tickets for the River City Rascals here in O'Fallon. And so we would go to games, and the, our little crowd there, we would talk about... We would actually... One of the guys, he'd have a, a radio, and he'd listen to Cardinal games, so we were keeping posted on what the Cardinals were doing while we are watching the Rascals. And, we, and they start talking about, if you want to get... Bush Stadium seats, you have to get your order in. There's a limited supply, and I wanted those Bush Stadium seats bad. Carmen said, do you think that's really a wise use of our money? It took a long time for that to sink in, but I finally said, you're probably right, hon. That's probably not the best, best way to spend our money to get those seats. So several weeks after the season ended, I come home from work one day, and there's a huge box in my driveway addressed to Carmen Alexander from the St. Louis Cardinals. So I call her up. I go, um, you expecting something from the Cardinals? She goes, did you open it? And I said, not, not my name on it, so no, I didn't open it. She goes, well, open it up. So I opened the box, and there they were. Seats. Bush Stadium Seats. And I'm not ashamed to say there may have been a tear in my eye as I, as I took those seats out and took them inside. Well, I thought she could never do better than that. Well, she made a great attempt about six years ago. I love, as you all know, I love cooking outside. I love grilling. My father-in-law has, has warped me now where I love smoking and he had a big green egg and I wanted a big green egg. And I was like, there's no way. I wasn't even gonna, I wasn't even gonna ask for that because I knew there was no way that could ever happen. So we were getting ready to go do some Christmas shopping one day and she goes, we need to stop at Pool King. I gotta check something out. And we go in there and she needed me to pick out an accessory and she surprised me by setting up a delivery for my big green egg. 
And I was like, wow. So in the scale, Bush Stadium seats, big green egg, they're kind of one, one A. I used that egg last night, as a matter of fact, made some steaks on it. I love that thing. But it was a, I was blown away by a gift that was something so much more than what I could have expected. And we're going to look at a story in Acts chapter 3 today about a man who, who wanted something, but he received so much more than what he was asking for and the impact of what happened there. So leading up to that, Acts chapter 2, we all know Pentecost had happened. Peter preached boldly to the people. And in Acts 2.41, the church was started, and Acts 2.41 said there were 3,000 souls added that day. And I want to kind of keep a... I want you to remember that word souls, for, and you'll understand why in just a moment. But it says 3,000 souls were added. So when we get into chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Now, right away, one thing we want to think about, this is like not, this is probably not unusual for for Peter and John to go to the service. I mean, they had prayer service at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., sunset. They knew what the routine was. It would not be unusual for them to go and to pray. And in the temple and in the temple setting, you know, they had been there with Jesus before. Jesus had performed some amazing works in the temple courtyards and that. So this was not like probably the first time they just showed up at the temple. Verse 2 says, As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now what we're going to learn later is this man was over 40 years old. So for over 40 years, this man had been lame. He was being brought to the temple. Uh, it's a great contrast there to look at the fact that you have a beggar and something called beautiful, a beautiful gate. I think that's quite a contrast there as we look at, at what happens. But he was brought there every day, set outside the gate so that he could, so that he could beg. Now, this is probably not the first time, since we said this is probably not the first time Peter and John went to the temple to pray. This is probably not the first time they've passed this man. But maybe their paths never really directly crossed before or whatever. But he saw them walk in before. They may have seen him from a distance. We don't know. But what happened on this particular occasion is what is so incredible. Verse 3 says, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now their paths are going to directly cross. And the one thing I thought about for just a moment was, why didn't he ask for healing? Probably knowing, again, who they were, why did he just settle asking for money? Was it because that this was part of what he did? You know, he was just trying to get from day to day, get enough today so that he could come back tomorrow. And could come back the next day. And do we find ourselves sometimes um, restricting God and how we approach Him and things that we need? Now, I know sometimes, like if you're in a business negotiation or whatever, sometimes you'll ask for more than you want, hoping that it'll come down to 
what you're really wanting. But as we approach God, do we sometimes just tie his hands by saying, by asking for something small when there's something so much greater that he wants to do? And as we're going to see, that's what's, that's what's going to happen here. We're about to enter a moment. So, as I said, you're going to hear some stuff from the retreat. So, And I just mentioned John Gray to you a moment ago. So one of the things and one of the messages we heard from John Gray was, when you have an appointment, you know, you make a doctor's appointment or you're supposed to try to meet somebody, maybe you're meeting a friend for lunch, something like that, and then something comes up, what do you do? You reschedule the appointment. Hey, I can't make it right now. Can we do it a different day? But what John Gray says, you can't reschedule a moment. When that moment is there, you have to take advantage of what's presented before you in that moment because you may never get that chance again. So we're going to enter a moment here with the beggar and Peter and John. In verse 4, it says, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. You think about (laughs) when you're talking to your kids, you really want their attention, right? You go, look at me. Look at my eyes. I want to see your eyes. I want to make sure you're hearing me. Peter wanted to make sure this beggar was hearing what he had to say. And he said, look at me. The lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. Hey, all right. Got somebody who's going to give me something. Because we're about to see, they didn't have any money to give him. So he's... Built up looking for maybe a couple coins. If I just get one or two coins, that'll be great. That'll help me through the day. And then I can come back tomorrow. Verse 6 says, But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And what's great about that right away is Peter's not doing that in his name, is he? He said, In the name of Jesus Christ, Right away, he is invoking Christ in what's about to take place. He is giving the moment over to God. And he says, I don't have, I don't have any money for you. And that could have deflated the man right away. He said, I do have something to give to you. How many times do we see someone with a need? And maybe it's a need greater than what we could handle, what we could meet. But instead of trying to do what we can to help that person out or to meet that, to work towards that need, we just walk away from it. I can't, I can't handle that. I'm sorry. You're going to have to go somewhere else. I can't do anything for you. That's not what Peter said. He didn't say, I can't do anything for you. He did say, I can't give you money. I don't have money for you, but I've got something so much better. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. So notice Peter didn't just tell him to get up and walk and then leave him. He reached down and he touched him. And there's so much value in a touch. Because that's when the healing took place was when Peter touched him. It wasn't the words. It was reaching down. It was touching him. Now, I have to admit, I'm not real big into the touching thing sometimes. Um, Kids drive me crazy. If I'm sitting on the couch or something trying to watch TV, and I got feet coming over, 
touching me? Like, get, get away from me. Or Bella, when she used to get in bed with us at night, all of a sudden I feel those little feet come over. And it was not like a kick. It was that light little touch that just drove me crazy. <laughs> I'm grabbing her feet and throwing them over. They come back. I'm throwing them over. But that touch means something to them. It's a security for them. We have a, a Havanese dog who cannot stand to not be touched. I mean, it's not enough for you to, oh, hey, Char, how you doing, hon? Maybe give her a little pet. Walk away. No, no, no. She's jumping on you. She's clawing at you. If you're on the couch, she's getting up and, and she's getting that head nestled up to you and rolling over. And yeah, if you start petting her, forget about it. It's all over then. Because she'll just melt. But she needs that security. There's security in the touch. The touch is what made this moment happen. By Peter reaching down, touching the man, and bringing healing to him. Verse 8 says, he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. So the man who was always on the outside could now go in to the temple because of the healing that took place. And there was no, you know, you see pictures of of a baby colt being born, a foal, or it, you know, it stumbles around for an hour or so until he gets his legs underneath it. We don't get any indication that happened here. This man who had never walked before is walking and leaping. Uh, those of you who remember... About six years ago now, Carmen broke her leg and her ankle, had surgery, was out of work for four and a half months. And when they were preparing her for physical therapy, one of the things they told her was that she had to go through gait training. Which she was taking to mean they were going to put gates up and somehow she had to walk through the gates. She goes, I don't understand that. I said, no, your gait is your walk. That's G-A-I-T, not G-A-T-E. And she goes, oh, well, why do I need to learn how to walk again? She, she didn't understand that just at that amount of time that she was down, she had to retrain her leg into learning how to walk normally. It didn't just happen. And I think her, her her best moment was the first time she got to go to Target by herself. She called me and was actually crying, I think, because she got to go to Target on her own. We get no indication that's what happened with this beggar here. I mean, right, right away, bam, he is up, jumping, walking, and praising God. He's not forgetting where this came from. He is praising God for what has taken place. Verse 9 says, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. He he wasn't going to let them go. These are the guys that helped me where I can walk and I am not letting go of them. But the people, they see, they start hearing all this commotion. What's going on? Oh, man, there's a guy out there. He's praising God. He's jumping around. 
Can we imagine if somebody started jumping around in church today? Oh, what's wrong with that person? Can't have that. Actually, I will say I, I love how we honor people in the way that they want to worship. And if people want to get excited and they want to shout out, shout it out. Amen. That's right. Shout it out when God's moving. And that's what was taking place here. God had moved in this man's life and he was going to let everybody know about it. So the people see this and they're like, their minds are blown. 40 years this guy hasn't walked. Now look at him. If we were in social media today, the Twitter verse would be taking pictures with big capital OMG. Did you see that? This is amazing. He was praising God, but he was also holding on to those who made it happen. And it's important for us to remember when God puts someone in our lives to help us through a situation, that we honor them, we remember them for the work they did. And they're not doing it to receive praise or honor, but we want to make sure that we acknowledge what they are doing in our lives. But this isn't the end of it. The moment continues. So one of the things we, uh, at our retreat, uh, we did a little, uh, we showed a little short video clip from a series that men had just recently, the men just went through a, a study called No More Excuses by Dr. Tony Evans. And one of the things we all agreed upon was Tony didn't, he doesn't dance around it. He's a straight shooter. He comes right out and tells, tells it like it is. So at the retreat, I had a couple friends of mine from outside SCRC who went along, and I got to talking to one of them. And it turns out he is familiar with uh, with Dr. Evans as well. He said the same thing. What a straight shooter that guy is. He doesn't walk around it. He lets, He tells it like it is. Well, Peter's about to be a straight shooter. Peter's about to tell it like it is because now he's got everybody's attention. Verse 12 says, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power, our godliness? There again, Peter's acknowledging the hand of God and what took place. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to this to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. That is so important right there. He's really calling them out for the actions that they took. Because Pilate was, yeah, if you remember, Pilate was, he goes, I see no fault in this guy. He was about to let him go. But these religious leaders would have none of it. You rejected his holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses to this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Peter's being right out there with it. You guys are the ones 
who took Christ and put him on the cross. He was getting, making them accountable for what had taken place. But that doesn't mean God wasn't still working. God was still at work and he was working through Peter to provide healing for that beggar, that lame man. And I would ask you all to continue to read the rest of chapter 3. And you can see how Peter just continues to, to drill at them. Again, holding them accountable for their actions. Calling them to a time of repentance. And calling them to accept Jesus. And we're going to jump over to chapter 4, verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. You see, these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. There were other people listening to this message. There were the religious leaders, the one that Peter had just called out, who were listening to the message. And while everybody else was was receiving this message and just glorifying in what had happened, they weren't very excited about it. They didn't want to hear it because what was being preached went against what their beliefs were, and they wanted it stopped. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. You know, throughout the Old Testament, there's so much teaching about the consequences of sin. And how it impacts your family throughout generations. Doing evil leads to bad things. But here we got where something good had happened. Peter and John had healed a man. The people were ecstatic seeing this and hearing the message that they had for them. But because it went against what the religious leaders believed. And they were threatened by it. They were threatened by what Peter and John were teaching. And they wanted it stopped and they arrested them. There was a consequence to doing good. And we need to understand that, you know, we as we go out and as we try to reach others, it's not always going to be a bed of roses. We are going to face roadblocks. We are going to face resistance. There's going to be people who do not want to hear what we have to say. But that doesn't stop us from being called to continue to spread that message and that word. Because the impact can be so great as we see in verse 4. Now remember earlier we talked about in um, chapter 2 verse 41 where it said 3,000 souls were added. So, you know, typically when numbers were presented... It was number of men, and then there were women and children. They didn't count. But it's interesting in, in that verse where it says 3,000 souls were added. There was no distinguishing between man, woman, child. So 3,000 souls were added. Everybody was being counted. But in verse chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers... believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. 
So the simple math would be there was 3,000, now there's 5,000, there were 2,000 added. But there was, the number could have been so much greater because we weren't told before that it was just men. We were told that it was souls. In this one, it does say 5,000 men and women and children. So many more thousand could have been impacted by this work that was being done by Peter and John. And if you, again, so when you're finishing up chapter 3, read a little bit more into chapter 4. We'll see that Peter and John were brought before the leaders. And Peter, he just kept bringing the message. He wasn't going to stop. He didn't care that they were challenging him. He was going to keep bringing the message. And the leaders did not like that message. They were threatened by it. At the same time, they were threatened by the fact that many people were receiving what was being taught. And they were fearing a riot. So they finally let them go. They let them go. And did Peter and John stop? No, they continued to go out. They continued to spread the message. They continued to do the work. So we did a uh, escape room at our retreat last week. Two groups. Shout out to Team A. Yes. Woo. Got a couple of my Team A brothers back there in the booth. One over here. We won the challenge. Yes. Team B, they struggle. Um, <laughs> before we left the room to go out, Chris Fox was given a prophetic word. He wrote on the board, Team A wins. Not Team A is going to win. He put Team A wins. And we did. And I don't know, how many of you have ever done an escape room? Anybody? You know... As you go through, you know, you're given a challenge, you gotta find something, and then you gotta get out of the room with it. What was that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, Eric was on team B. Uh, <laughs> you gotta find something and you gotta get out of the room. So, it's, you know, we actually did like a little one with the kids a couple years ago at a church uh, that was doing like a fall festival thing. And, you know, they get so excited when they solve a clue. You solve a clue. That is great. Well, that's just one of many clues you got to solve. You got to keep going. You got to keep solving clues. Travis, right away, he identified there were, we found four buttons exposed in the room. And Travis is like, we got to do something with these buttons. One of them had a lock on it, had a cover and a lock. So we had to get that lock off. What's going to get that lock off? Well, we finally found the thing that had the right, that had the right key. We needed a key for it to get the key to undo the lock. All right, we got all the buttons now. Hit them. Nothing happened. All right, we got to keep going now. We had to keep digging. We had to keep going. And finally, in the drawer, one of the drawers had a lock on it. And one thing you got to watch about escape rooms, too, is they have some clues that mean absolutely nothing. Because there were two drawers. The, the lock at the bottom, the one at the bottom had a lock. It meant nothing. But we were focused on that, too. We wanted to get everything we could. But the one at the top, we got that lock off and found another button. Bam! Five buttons now. Hit that button. The, the prize dropped down from below. We had to find a flash drive. Of course, then the challenge was getting the flash drive off the little hook they had it on. But we got it off. 
Here's the thing. You have to, to, again, as a reminder, you have to follow the directions and you have to follow through completely. Because we found him. We thought, all right, we found it. We're done. And the guy's just standing at the door. All right, we got to go back and read again. It says something about leaving the room. So one of the guys walked out of the room. Guy's just standing there. Oh, wait a minute. All right, we got to take the flash drive. We got to hand it to them. We hand it to the guy. He's outside. Now we're done. We have completed the challenge. Confetti fell. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but it's a great reminder in with the story that we just read. You started with a beggar just asking for a couple coins. There was no coins available for him, but there was something greater. And he was given healing. And with him being given healing, he was then able to go out and shout out and proclaim God through the healing that took place in his life. But that still wasn't it. Because then Peter took advantage of the situation that the people gathered and he preached the message. And they were in prison. But he continued to preach the message. He didn't stop. He kept going. There was more to do. And as a result, there were thousands of people that were one to Christ because they didn't stop. They went for more. They didn't sell God short. They knew he had so much more to offer. And so our call today is to not sell God short and to look at the work we have to do. You know, we we talked several weeks ago about we all have been gifted in some way. And we're all part of one puzzle, one piece to get that, to get the message out. Just like in that escape room. I mean, we needed a minimum of five guys just to hit all the buttons. Regardless of all the work that took place to find them. But we had to work together. And when we actually did the escape room once before, we did a different one. So not like we cheated and remembered things. It was a different one then. But... The reason we did it is because that was part of the message then, or the theme then was understanding we all have a part to do, but we're all needed for success. And we're all needed to do our part and to not just stop with the coin, but to understand there's more that can be done and to spread that word. So, fathers, we, we come to the close of the message today. I pray, Lord, that... Um, that we just make ourselves available to do the work you have for us and to not limit what you can do. As we sang earlier in the song, your love never fails. It's always there. It remains for it forever. And to understand that your love is covering us and that you are walking with us to go out and do the work that you've called us to do, Father. And I pray if there are those maybe listening today who who haven't received you, that they see the experience that this beggar had and how you worked in his life and brought healing to him and how you can bring healing to their hearts, Lord. And as Peter continued to preach about repentance of sin and accepting you, that maybe this has reached them today, Lord, and that they they do turn their hearts over to you, seek you out, Father. Accept the love 
that you have for them. And prepare us, Lord, to go out to do the work. You've put a field out before us, Lord. You've prepared it, and it's up to us to go, and it's up to us to spread your word, Lord. And I praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. You can also reach us online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.org.